Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On June 25th, 1530, the German princes of the Holy Roman Empire gathered together for a diet, uh, an imperial meeting, in the, the city of Augsburg with Emperor Charles V. Charles had some problems. He was only 30 years old, but he was ruling over a, a massive empire, and he had a lot to be concerned about, conflict with France, Spanish colonies in the, the New World. Uh, he had to try to stay in the good graces of the Pope. And right now, the thing that was most pressing was defending against the threat of the Muslim Ottoman Turks. He needed everybody to be working together. But how? How was that ever going to happen when these German princes were squabbling over matters of faith? So the Diet of Augsburg was called for a number of different important matters of imperial business. But one of the main reasons was to try to settle the religious debate. Thanks to all the things going on, Charles hadn't been able to focus on what he saw as the, the problem of Martin Luther uh, for some time. Uh, he had declared Martin Luther an outlaw nine years earlier in 1521. Um, but only just now was he, he beginning to, to really do something about this. And in the meantime, the Reformation had continued to spread, including some of the princes and other leaders in Germany who had now become convinced that the things that Luther was teaching were truly, truly in line with the word of God. As they gathered together there in Augsburg, what were those Lutheran princes going to do? Would they risk being labeled as heretics and outlaws the way that, that Luther had? They, they had a lot to lose. Their titles, their, their wealth, their properties, their lives. Or, or would they fall in line and do whatever the, the emperor wanted? Well, what they did was they brought a document, a document confessing their faith with their, their names signed to it. Chancellor Christian Beyer read this Augsburg Confession out loud in the presence of the emperor and everyone else who was there. And George Margrave of Brandenburg declared, Before I let anyone take from me the word of God and ask me to deny my God, I will kneel and let them strike off my head. It's a pretty dramatic thing to say. Do you think he meant it? Do you think he and the, the other Lutheran princes there would, would have let the emperor strike off their heads rather than deny their confession of faith? I, I think they would have. Charles did not declare that they must die, but I don't think that they were, were just trying to call his bluff here. And the reason that I can say that is that there have been countless Christians before and after them who have, in fact, died 
for their faith. Uh, today we're, we're meditating on the appointed lessons for the third Sunday after Pentecost, and we're also celebrating the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. We, too, stand on this confession as a true exposition of God's word. There's a, a reason that we boldly confess our faith. There's a reason that we, we could, if we had to, even boldly confess our faith in the face of death. The Holy Spirit has given us this faith to trust in him. Faith trusts in Jesus even in the face of death. In Luke chapter 7, we, we read a brief account of Jesus visiting the town of Nain. This is the only mention of this town, Nain, in the Bible. Uh, we, but we know that it was in the southern part of the region of Galilee, kind of between Galilee and Samaria. At the edge of the town, on the way in, there was a, there was a meeting of two crowds. Jesus and his disciples had the, the crowd following them, as was often the case. They were on the way into town. But on the way out was another crowd, a, a funeral procession. There was a young man who had just died, probably that same day. In those days, they usually tried to bury people on the same day that they died. Every death is sad. Uh, death exists because of sin, and it can be devastating when someone we love dies. This death was no different. If anything, this death was, was an extra tragic one because of the situation of this young man's mother. He was all she had left. Her husband had already died. She had no other children. Uh, life for someone like her, all alone, was going to be extremely hard. Jesus saw this, and, and Luke tells us, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not cry. He went up to the open coffin, touched it, and the pallbearers stopped. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Just like that. Just like that, the, the man was alive again. And we're told how the crowd reacted to this great miracle. Fear gripped all of them. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This was reported about him in all of Judea and in all the surrounding countryside. They reacted with fear, and they glorified God. At first, it might not seem like those two things really should go together, uh, but we do fear great power. We fear things we don't understand. In, in this world, that gets used against us all the time. People in power say, look how mighty I am. Fear me. Obey me. If you don't, you will suffer the consequences. You will pay with everything you hold dear. The princes at, at Augsburg, they knew how powerful the emperor was. They knew how powerful the, the pope was. These men had the power even to take their lives if they so chose. And yet, they boldly confessed their faith. Why? Because they feared God more. Yes, the emperor and the pope could put them to death, 
but their power ends there. God's power, though, goes even beyond death. For Jesus to raise this man was simple, almost trivial even. It didn't take time. It didn't take hard effort. It didn't take agonizing prayers. Just a command. Get up. If we truly believe that God has that kind of power, power over everything in this world, including over death, should we not live our whole lives in fear? What can I do that might thwart God's will? What secret sins of mine could escape his judgment? Where could I ever go to hide from his presence? Some people in this world commit suicide. They kill themselves in order to escape their guilt or to escape their troubles. But we can't escape God even by dying. The powers of this world might seem mighty at times. They may threaten us to keep silent over our faith or to confess with them their creeds of a social gospel. But if we, if we obey, if we follow it, then we've forgotten who our God is. Instead, we ought to declare, do with me what you want. Strike off my head. I don't fear you. I fear God, who has all power over life and death. So fear is a, a part of, of faith. We, we stand in awe at the, the mighty power of God, but fear is only one part. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods. Martin Luther explained, saying, what does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So fear is the first part, but then there's also love and trust. And as we look at this account of the, the widow of Nain and her son whom Jesus raised from the dead, we see that this account teaches us not just to fear God, but to love and trust in him as well. Jesus didn't come to this town of Nain to point at that casket and tell this widow, see, this is what your sins deserve. He, he didn't come into this world to proclaim to mankind, look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. Instead, he came with compassion. It wasn't because this woman deserved his help. It wasn't because sin doesn't deserve death. It was the loving, compassionate heart of Jesus that led him to stop this funeral procession, to breathe life back into this young man, to give him back to his mother. That's who Jesus is. He's our compassionate Lord. It was his compassion that led him to come into this world, to take our place under the law. It was his compassion that led him to the cross, to suffer for our sins. It was his compassion for us that led him to taste death, to die on our behalf. 
when that day comes that we do face the chill of death and Satan says to us, it's all over. No one is going to save you. You're all alone now. We have this comfort that where we go, our compassionate Lord has gone before. And we can go even farther than that. We can say, no, Satan, I've been here before. I was buried with Christ in baptism. I died with him. I was crucified with him. And now, because he lives, I live forever. And all of a sudden, death isn't so scary anymore. When I have Jesus, with his mighty, awesome power, with his all-surpassing love and compassion, what else could I possibly be afraid of? With the saints and the martyrs that have gone before us, we know death is just a sleep. The casket is just a bed. But our home is in heaven. Can I deny Jesus? Can his word be taken from me? I'd sooner have this world strike off my head. Faith trusts Jesus even in the face of death. You are forever in his hands. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.